every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is Mark Edelson, the co-founder and uh, one of three partners of Iron Hill Brewery. Mark and his friend Kevin started brewing beer in a basement in 1999 and turned their hobby into an incredible business with 20 restaurants throughout the country. Mark, thanks for coming on to the show. Brian, thanks for having me. Actually, it was 1989 when we started home brewing. Oh, wow. So 89, two guys that ends up being 20 restaurants with three partners. That's pretty incredible. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. I'm going to be drinking really one nice of your beers for, for this. I'm going to drink. Excellent. I see you have spruce mousse. Yeah, well, I had spruce mousse last week, which I really enjoyed. But for this, I'm going to have a can of the incredible juicy. I'm a big hazy person. So very good. Cheers. Thank you for, uh, for everybody the- loves hazies. Hazies sell great. I bet they do. I also love the, um, I also love porters and stouts, especially around this time. Sure, that's kind of my home base is porters and stouts. But, uh, you know, and I was the guy saying, we don't want hazy beers. That's just a fad. And (laughs) here it is. I was proven wrong. (laughs) It happens sometimes, I guess, right? Yes, right. The old man on the lawn shaking his fist. (laughs) Yelling at the clouds. Rarely. To his principles. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, first. the damn beer. (laughs) uh, Yeah. So, well, first off, just tell us a little bit about Iron Hill and about you guys, and and uh, we'll kind of just start there. Okay, so you know we're we just passed our twenty sixth year in November, right? So we opened in nineteen ninety six in Newark, Delaware. There's the three of us, you know, and we, we interestingly we had uh, we were all living in Delaware. We're all from New Jersey, actually. Oh yeah, um, had not known each other growing up, and we all landed in Delaware and became friends and. And so we wanted to open a brewery restaurant in Delaware, right? And actually, Wilmington is where we wanted to do it, right? Because we all lived in Wilmington, and and um, and you know, Newark was the university, right? Sure. And certainly, why would we go down there? That's not the the crowd we were going to try to uh, market for. And so, we really struggled finding in you know in the mid '90s a, a place in Wilmington, right, mm-hmm. at the time. And so we got a little frustrated and somebody said, just try Newark. And we went down there and looked at some real estate and, and we said, you know, there, everything down here caters to the, uh, to the kids. Right. Sure. And there's very few things that are catering to everybody else here in this side of Newcastle County. And so we opened a restaurant on main street and, uh, and had huge success. And with, in less than two years, we had opened our second location. Wow. That's amazing. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you open a craft beer place in a town where everyone drinks Natty light and Milwaukee's best, right? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we opened a restaurant, right? Yeah. It was very beer focused in a brewery. And so that was the difference because everyone expected, you know, Unfortunately, it's the same today, but, you know, most people think of breweries and they think the food's terrible, right? And, yes. And unfortunately, that hasn't changed dramatically in 25 years, and I'm always on the soapbox talking about that. 
it'd be different, you know, because now, I, you know, there's food trucks outside of every brewery and, you know, and, yep. you know, Food Network has convinced us that food trucks are gourmet food, but that's not the case generally, right? <laughs> so it's a, so, you know, our differentiator, right? Because you always look for that white space, uh, yeah. was a brewery that had great food and, um, and people would come in and be just always uh, surprised and delighted. Yeah, you know, and, and that led to being very, very successful on Main Street, and then opening a second one uh, in in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and that being ev- way more successful than the first one. Wow! Right? And that kind of launched us into that. And I always so here's my first nugget of advice. Yeah, I always advise people that the opening of a second location is the hardest, right? And the reason for that is the only time in your whole growth of your company that you will double your business overnight, right? Great point. So when we have 20 restaurants and open one, yeah, you know. No big deal. There it is. It's one twentieth <laughs> more, right? right? I mean, you can absorb that, right? But when yeah. you double your business overnight, we did almost go out of business. And that's was it was it was we, we were unprepared for doubling our business, right? We just wow. thought, ah, yeah, we'll open another one. Yeah, right? no big deal. There yeah, we go. no big deal. And in and it was way bigger and more more people than the first one, right? So we all of a sudden, what what worked in Newark was not working in Westchester. Wow. And then you then you kind of say so one half of the ship is awash, and then you pull everyone out of the other restaurant, and put it over here. Then the other restaurants awash, right? And so you're. You know, you you learn very quickly uh, about that. And so I always give that advice is that, you know, it's the only time in your history of your company that you'll double your business overnight. So what was and it that almost put you out? Like, what was it? One thing, you know, the, the scope? I, it of- just, I, you know what? Just keeping your hands around it, right? Yeah. And staffing and making sure customers had good experience when you just, you know, you were unprepared for that. Yeah. And so it was the Wild West days. There's no doubt about it. Right? <laughs> You know, I, look, when when you're an entrepreneur, right, it's force of will. You become successful because you have to and you work long hours and you make it work because you know, that's what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's go back to the beginning. So you how do you even get into brewing beer in the first place? Uh, as a hobby, you know, my so the 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 story is that my uh, my partner's um, eventual wife, uh, who was living in New England at the time, and we were both down here to keep him from going out, from keep us from going out. <laughs> but I'm a homebrew kit, right? That and is great. We started homebrewing. It was a lot of fun. And then every Sunday we'd be brewing, watching the Eagles, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, we, and we got pretty good at it. And then we won awards and we're like, hey, and, you know, and all of us were tired of our day jobs, right? Yeah. We, I, I worked for AstraZeneca, right? Okay. So, its former predecessor was ICI, which is a British company. And, and, uh, you know, I worked for a decade there, but you know, you get that when you have that itch working for somebody, you know, you're working for the man. Right. Yep. And now of course I've become the man, but, uh, (laughs) you know, you, you want to get out and do that. You know, you're just like, uh, you know, you work for this gigantic company and you're like, I, you know, I was doing well, but it just was you you feel like you're just pushing the rocks uphill all the time. And we said, hey, let's give it a go. Right. And that's what we did. We jumped into it. That's great. We all quit our jobs and, 
you know, Kevin Davies was a restaurateur. Yeah. Um, he was general manager of the Columbus Inn at the time. Okay. And, uh, and, and you know, worked for Davis Cessna. You remember that? Back sure. That whole restaurant group. And, yep. uh, and, and actually, Xavier Tushida, who owns Harry's, um, had put us together because he knew we were all, um, you know, Kevin, my partner, Kevin Finn, had his family's advertising business, had a relationship with them. And he said, you guys are all doing stuff. Why don't you join forces, right? Amazing how that works out. You know, other than waiting tables, we knew nothing about a restaurant. Right. We knew we needed it. And so it was a great partnership. That's amazing. And how how long in did you realize, okay, this could be a real business that could be super successful? Well, (laughs) first is the when do you realize, I looked at your, you know, your question. First, you realize that it, when you realize it was a business is when we got um, a bank loan approved. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that, somebody well, else that was because you. before that, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it's like an idea, right? And then yeah, it becomes an real idea. And when you get a lease and a bank loan, the yeah. day we got the bank loan, I came in the next day to AstraZeneca and put my resignation in. Wow. Yeah. It gave two weeks. Said done. See that that is that made it real. Yeah. Actually, my boss at the time was one of our investors, right? So I always like to say I gave. Him my resignation letter and he handed me an investment check. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he was smart enough to do that. Yes, yes. Our original investors did very, very well. And when you first started out, how did you think that this was going to be end up being 20 sp- places? Or did you think, uh, you know, everybody asks that question, right? And there's always, there's sometimes a revisionist history on this within the partnership, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, what we really quickly knew is that. With one restaurant in Newark, Delaware, it was going to be hard to support the three of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so we needed a plan, and so we decided that we wanted to look at uh, expanding. And so, you know, it seemed like forever, but it, it, when you look at it in retrospect, in less than two years, we had another operation stood up and running in Westchester, right? Mm-hmm. And then within two years of that, we had a third one in wow. uh, Media, Pennsylvania, right? And uh, and then eventually we were back in Wilmington. Our fourth one was on the riverfront there. Yeah, that's amazing. So you you have two partners, and you know you said Kevin Davies is the the restaurant guy. So what are your roles as they are? Uh, where do they start and what are they now? The three of you. Uh, well, they they started in the the right is the three headed monster, right? Um, uh, I handled all the brewing operations. Kevin Davies handled all the culinary and a lot of the front of the house operations. And my partner, Kevin Finn, you know, really handled the running the business uh, as the president and on marketing. He had a marketing background. His family had owned a large billboard company in the state of Delaware. Yeah. And so he kind of knew that end of the business. And that's kind of how we we each stayed in our lane and did that for for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, At this point, uh, you know, the two of them are pretty much retired. Uh, One retired, one semi-retired. And I... You know, with my five children um, and four daughters, you know, still have to work a long time <laughs> to get through that. So, um, and I was the youngest, so you know, I'm still, uh, I'm still hacking it out every day. Okay, so I have a business partner, and I know that can be uh, challenging. It can, and you know what? It's uh, my, my, uh, uh, our silent partner, which was my. Um, my partner, Kevin Finn's father, right? I mean, look, the other advice is you need a, 
you need a money man or a sugar daddy in any of this, right? The yeah. three of us, the bank looked at us and said, you guys don't have any assets, right? Yeah. There's a nice plan on paper and all, but we need somebody we can go after, right? Um, and he owned a ton of real estate and he he signed the note and put some money in, but he was the background, you know. But And, and he was a self-made man, had a lot of partners. And his thing is you treat your partners better than your wife, right? Now, the wives hated that but sure you know, yeah but you know that was always the thing and and i think you always see businesses that start small with partnerships the partnerships fall apart right it For is sure. it's similar it to a marriage right in that very similar to a marriage. somebody that you rely on um you know that you work side by side with right? yeah and uh i think it was really just a mutual because of early success, it was a mutual respect for you're over there and you're doing your thing and it's great. And I'm over here and just putting our heads down and working. Yeah. And it just, and really trusting each other. And, and, you know, look, if we weren't as successful, I'm sure the stress of that would have caused some stress in the relationship, but no, it just kept going and going and going. And, um, and, and, you know, everybody worked hard yeah and uh and, and put their head down and got it done you know we say it's you know to be an entrepreneur force of will is one of the key ways to get things done right you just do it you work until it's done yep and you can't go home i right? love that i'm definitely going to steal that you know, yeah well, I, absolutely it's it's the um what i always say to people is you know even even some of our top leadership i always like you know the difference between you and me is you can go out and get another job Mm -hmm. Right. You're right. You're very competent, very successful. If you don't like it, you can go get another job. Yeah. We can't do that as owners. Right. Yep. We can't decide to go get another job. This is it. So when things are really bad, you can't go get another job. You, yep. you have to deal it. And the pandemic was was one of those things. But um, but it, it's anything. Right. It, it's a different kind of everybody talks about it's great to run your own business and be your own boss and do all that. But, you know, there's something to be said for clocking out at the end of the day and going home and not worrying about payroll. It, yeah. It's right? not your problem. For, right. Yeah. When I worked for AstraZeneca. I didn't really worry about payroll. Right? <laughs> I was getting a check. I would worry about payroll if I wasn't getting yeah. paid, but I didn't worry about that billion dollar payroll they put out every month. Right. Yep. And so, but, I've heard yeah. a um I've heard a guy use an analogy of a business as an, an iceberg where, you know, they see your 20 restaurants and they go, oh man, look at how great that thing is. It looks awesome. But underneath, there's so much that went into that that no one saw. Out. My wife's a physician at um at the hospital here in Delaware. And um she's always says, you know, everyone's like, oh, your husband has a big restaurant company. You guys must be rich. And I'm always like, they have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea, right? Everyone just assumes, right? It, it, it's exactly, it's a great way to put it. Yeah. There's all this stuff that's below the waterline that you don't see. Yep. Um, it's why restaurants fail so much, right? Yeah. I mean, restaurants notoriously fail. And, and, and the reason that I have concluded is that people have a, this imagination of what this business is. And they usually have this romantic imagination yeah and you said in your questions it's it's one it's the hardest business it is the hardest way to make a buck right for sure and 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 people get into it because they feel like they can have their friends in and you know it's going to be this great party or something like that right yeah when if the dishwasher doesn't show up guess who's washing dishes right, right? It's not so damn glamorous right? yeah and so 
it's you have to love hospitality, right? And that's some that's another thing that the three of us absolutely love is hospitality. And 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 people are and look, I have a degree in chemical engineering. I don't there's hospitality was other than waiting tables as a as a teenager, um, hospitality was not in my thoughts at all, right? Sure. I'm, I'm, you know, when I do uh I do uh, I went to Penn I went and we do things with the engineering school. I'm always the alumni that comes in that does the path not taken by yeah, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chemical engineer and now own phony restaurants. Yeah, that's head yeah. brewer. That's great. Head of brewing. Brewer. Yeah. Um, well, you bring up, you know, the pandemic mm-hmm. and no industry was hit harder than yours during the pandemic. No, hotels. No, really, when you think about it, it was it. You know, certainly healthcare was overwhelmed, and and you know, but but it was really the the hardest hit industry in terms of just business and things like that was hospitality, right? Yeah, um, and 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 all the things that support it, right? It just was, uh, and you know, it was the time to really. Um, show how good you were at, at your business right? right i mean first you had to start off seeing what you needed to see to survive right so you had to make all the hard decisions right? mm-hmm. you just mentioned it we went you know the the gut-wrenching thing was we went from 1650 employees to 125 in 10 days right and that's just you just can't imagine the phone calls that you go through to to do that right? yeah and um and and you know and then trying to you know and the attitude you take on that is that we want to be here on the back end of this for everybody to come back right um, so this is what we got to do to make sure of that yeah right? um, it's like almost like you you went through like triage almost where you go oh. yeah it's it's that's a great way to do it. i always say it's you know how much that didn't you it was a kick in the nuts every other day right oh, like that. <laughs> because you get something done and you feel good about it and then you show up and there's something else that's just terrible that sets you back right and you go yeah. all right let's do this right we pivoted so much there to do, like all right what are we going to do to generate money you yeah. know for example we had our purveyors who were going through the same thing they're like all the restaurants are closed you know they said other than hospital cafeterias we have nobody to sell to. Right. Wow. And, and, you know, they had fresh food, which all went bad. Right. Yep. But one of the things they said, is like, Hey, look, we have a warehouse full of stuff. We have toilet paper. We have paper towels, all the shit people need. Yeah. You want to sell it for us. Right. We're like, sure. Right. So we created a little marketplace. So come in and get our takeout and then get eggs and, you know, paper. Great towels. idea. Now, it was institutional grade Toilet paper. Yeah. Like kids are complaining <laughs> about it. But I said, you know what? It's toilet paper. Yep. And the way people were hoarding it, you, you got to do what you got to do. It's the, we got toilet paper. Exactly. Right? So, uh, you know, but it's just, and and our crew was very, that was still there, was very resilient. I mean, think about everything they had to put up with. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of, you know, you just, you really were punch drunk every day. And saying, all right, what's next? What's next? What's well, next? And then the, the you know, for, for your industry in particular, the goalposts kept moving and the the goalposts kept moving depending upon which state your restaurant was in. So like one it state did. had this rule, one state have that rule. That's a lot. And and you know, I think I, I would imagine one of the hard parts is you kind of 
well, personally, when this whole thing, that whole COVID pandemic started, I was like, ah, this will be like two or three weeks. And then we all did. We said, we'll get through this and let's just shut it down and bring them right back. And then it started going on and on. Yeah. And then, you know, we always were very politically active, but now you really put up the radar, right? And are calling people and saying, and, and, you know, they're making decisions and you're going, no, that's the, you know, you know, I told you earlier the whole Pennsylvania thing, you know, the, the Christmas of 2020, where we were getting back to stuff, they said, not you guys are done, right? The most profitable three weeks of the year after a terrible year, Yeah, you have to close your doors again, right? Wow. Where we're in New Jersey and Delaware and down in the South, and they weren't doing it. So you're like, uh, you know... And, it, it just was a lot of uh, a lot of frustration. I can't and, even imagine. Yeah. And so, again, you, you you feel like you're getting there, then you go back. But, you know, we made a lot of decisions. We were able to do things we're very proud of. We um, we cut all those people loose, but we paid for everybody's health care, both sides. Wow. Right? And so we I mean, cash was at a premium and but but we're we're in a health crisis we can't cut people off at the knees so yeah for sure we're able to do that from march until august that's amazing um and 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 then we put people back on pain they're they're half of it but we you know that was something that was very important to us and and when we we used to look it's about it was about cash right we had a we had a daily cash meeting right where we look at a spreadsheet of when we'd run out of cash right wow. and what is the what are the things we're going to do to extend that day right okay we're doing this oh great we had a great a better week so that's a week more of cash right what are the things and that's when ppp became important and doing all that stuff but it really was about when we're going to run out of money yeah pure survival mode yeah exactly it was, yeah it was well, the other thing that. I found interesting is that you had started construction on four. Uh, could have been worse. We couldn't have had more cash on the street. We were in the construction of four restaurants. It couldn't. We've never been in in the history of our company in the construction of four restaurants at once. Right? And it was during the pandemic. And 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 it was the pandemic started in the midst of that. Oh. Right? <laughs> and, you know, and and so it was. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, that was just like we're shutting it down, right? And nobody's yeah. getting a check, right? People are crying, crying to be paid, and we're like, nah. But that's where you saw where your friends were, right? For sure, yeah. But with vendors, we saw it with landlords particularly. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so our our mom and pop landlords that we've been with for twenty years stepped up completely. Yeah. That's right? our institutional landlords sucked. Yeah, right. They're like write us a check. What are you talking about? Oh, sucks for you. Yeah, pay us. Yeah, sucks for you. Yeah. You, you know, all right, here's the keys. Take the sign off. Find somebody else. Right? Yeah. We're going to find. But but our mom and pops were like, you guys have been paying us for 20 years. What do you need? That's right? amazing. And that was that was a great story to tell. Right? Yeah, that's you know, that's such a, a, a comment on small business. You know, small sure. business, always wanting to help small business. Yeah, you know, and, and the look, our loyal customers saved us, right? All the... 20 some years of building customer loyalty, you know, and you saw it uh, in, in the news and everything, the support of local businesses by the local community was tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that was, you know, that's the business we're in is customer loyalty. And, and so, uh, 
that paid off everything that we built. Can you point to a single moment in the pandemic where you were at your lowest point, where you were like, I don't know if this is going to even, I don't know if this is all going to come crashing down. Yeah. It was or did you always early, have to... it, was, I, it was really early in it that, yes, there was, you know, those times when you're driving home and you just pull over yeah, and you're like, oh my God, like yeah. you don't want to go home to the family and yeah. show your weaknesses, right? And you just shake, you pull over and you sit there and you go, you know, because it's this, when you think about it, you know, this is the, for the three of us, this is our life, right? Yeah. We put 26 years in, this is our, all the eggs are, we're all in, right? Our chips are all in and, and things happen in a business cycle. You know, when, when you're a healthy company, like we've always been, Things happen in the business cycle and you adjust to this, but this seemed to be one that you saw 25 years getting flushed and yep. that you would be left with nothing, right? And so that's a that's where it got really I, – I say this to people, and I don't want to sit and, uh, and harp on the pandemic. This sure, whole yeah. Thing. But I always say, look, there were dark days, yeah. right? And, and so other small business people get that. They go, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Right? There were really, really dark days, right? That that are hard to be matched in your life. For right? sure. Yeah. And, uh, but the good thing is that, you know, uh, what you relied on for, uh, f- you know, for that oomph and that hope is just everybody around you, like pulling together. Right? Yep. Like we had, we for, <laughs> we had gone away from pizza. <laughs> for going into the pandemic and the pandemic was just about pizza right yeah and so we didn't have anything to make pizza and our purveyor down in maryland said we have everything we need but we have no drivers to deliver it right so i got in a truck uh, our company truck and drove to maryland right when you weren't supposed to go across the state lines or <laughs> And pulled up. We said, load the truck up. They loaded the truck up. We brought it back to our warehouse. And every one of our chefs was there with their car, split everyone splitting everything up, getting it out. And it was just, you know, it was seamless, right? And that's just, you know, and those are proud moments when, you know, everybody kind of gets together and says, you know, nobody's complaining. They're just like, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. Yeah, this is our marching orders. We'll leave the pandemic behind. But the last thing I kind of want to say about it, I actually think that those dark days have actually I think there's so much positive that has come out of the pandemic and so many businesses being way more efficient than they were before and giving the opportunity to sort of like slow everything down and say, hey, you should really work on your business. You know, I know that happened for for us, too. So I think that's been an interesting part of it. Yeah, absolutely. It it really and you know it gave you habits and skills that um make you more nimble yeah certainly as you go through it you know? plus it's always good to have a really good cry every once in a while <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you know kind of switching gears a little bit i'm interested in your experience of working with private equity can you talk a little bit about that sure i you know people ask a lot about that and i think um it makes you a real company yeah <laughs> Right. It does. Uh, we have board meetings with board members, right? Yeah. And and there's like, it, it's interesting having not had a boss for so long to have somebody that asks the questions, right? Yeah. Um, we used to, uh, and it's hard as a, as a small business person and owner, 
your employees don't ask you hard questions for right? sure. Yeah. This, this, that's, they just, if you think about it, that's just not, they're never going to, you, you shouldn't expect that. Yeah. Right? It's in some cases not Vistage. really appropriate, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and we were members of Vistage, all three of okay. us. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Vistage is great. Vistage is great for small business people that don't have boards, right? Yep. Because it's other business people of your same size who have no skin in your game and who will tell it to you straight and you work problems with them. Right. And that was yep. great. Um, and then, you know, so when you have a private equity partner, uh, one, you get smarter all of a sudden, right? Because <laughs> it's, well, it, again, you become a real company, right? Yeah. Yep. Where again, you know, you have decks and all this and you do presentations and you talk about stuff and, and they provide you tools that you never had. Right. Yeah. Like we love data. We always right. love data, uh, but they came in and they really love data. Right? <laughs> and uh, we built a data warehouse, right? Wow. Um, which, because we have so many systems that don't talk to each other. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, you just build a data warehouse and you import all the data and you hire an economist. We have an economist, yeah. right? And an analyst who chops it all up and looks at it, right? And so that we loved. We were like, That's oh, cool. great. Yeah. We would never have done this on our own in yeah. terms of investing in it. And so, you know, I just they have a depth of resources that is uh that is good. But look, it's like anything. You have to pick a good partner, right? Right. People are like, oh, they just after money. You know, look, they're money people. There's no doubt about it, right? For sure. So, but sometimes, you know, that's good because you need to be focused on that as well. Yeah. But it's like any it's like any partner, right? You know, everyone kind of casts that as the evil partner, right? And it, it's what are there really terrible private equity groups? Absolutely. For sure. Are. Just like anything, right? Yeah. Just like anything. Are there terrible partners? Yes, yeah. there are. Right? right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you have to find and, and I you know, I don't know that we had any great experience with it, but we really had a good feeling about this group. And they, you know, the good thing is they love beer, and that's been very helpful. Yeah. Are they a beer? Are they a, a beer private equity firm? Or no, not at all. Not okay. at all. I, yeah. We're we're the only beer in the portfolio. Oh, nice. We're the yeah. only restaurant in the portfolio. So it's all it's very diverse. You, but we're the cool brand, right? So. <laughs> We're the beer in their kegerator, so there's something to be said. For, I always like when they have a, when they're enamored with the brand, you, it's good. Right? Yeah, so, I, you bring but, up a really interesting point about sort of the lifespan of business, and I feel like you know I always say to to my business partner, and he hates it. I go, "We're like a real company now. You know, we have an HR person, we have this, and you go through this <laughs> weird stage where you start out, it's just the three of you, and you're just kind of like doing your thing, and then all of a sudden you become sort of like I, I sort of say the stage that my business is in right now." I always joke around and say we're like a pimply, geeky teenager, right? And then you guys are sort of like maybe in, you're 25, you know, 26 years old and you've got private equity backing. And that, that whole life cycle through a business is not unique to any one industry. So it's super well, relatable. Even before us, like when we were three restaurants, people started calling us a chain, right? Right. And at first that just irked me, right? Yeah. And I just said, all right, we're a chain. Yeah. yeah, but chain is more than two. We're a chain, right? Yep. Can By we definition. get over that and move on to that, right? And that's all that. But we hired an HR director way too late. Too late. Yeah. Right. We we always hired a, a certain level. You know, four or five years 
after we should have. Yep. Right? Such a common business and, owner mistake. And, and, and the good thing about private equity is they do not let you do that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but we were at, I think we were at five or 600 people before we hired an HR. Oh my God. That's exactly. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot to I, wrangle. But I see people, look, I see other restaurant companies out there that are bigger and don't have HR functions. They have somebody that just handles HR and not a professional. Yeah. And I'm like, boy, this is going to get you and get you bad. Yeah, for sure. That could be your undoing. It really can. It can always be your undoing because it's just that's a bad environment out there, too. Yeah. uh, The lawsuits that just you know, the amount of legal fees that you spend as you get bigger. That's the other thing that I did learn. As you get bigger, you become a target for society on lawsuits. It's yep. just, it's just, a, it's, it's a sad indictment on our society, but we didn't have problems like that when we were one or two restaurants. So you get five or six and everybody's slipping and falling on your sidewalks. Right? It's funny how that happens. Right. All of a sudden. So all of a sudden people look at the, the targets, you know, and that's the curse of being a mid-sized business. Right. right? Yeah. Is that, uh, I hate to say it, and it's attorneys particularly look at small businesses don't have enough juice and large businesses have too many lawyers. And so the ones in between are the easy pickings for suing you and trying to squeeze money out of you. A nice sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I have a friend who used to work for a uh, large rental rent a car company that you would know the name of, and he said that every time someone le- would leave, they would sue for whatever, and then they found out that if they gave them a, a nominal sum of money, it would magically disappear. So instead of sure. instead of going through the the rigmarole of all the the legal and work things, and work practices aren't covered by insurance. Exactly. Yeah. So they say, here's $6,000. They go, I'll take it. And they would leave. It's just, it's uh, unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. Um, So what inspires you to keep growing? Are you, are you going to, are you going to be 40 restaurants? Are you going to be, you know, a hundred restaurants? What what do you, where do you think this goes? We won't be 40 under this part. (laughs) Yeah. They're getting, uh, they're, they're seven years in, which is, we take a two year reset on COVID two and a half year on that, you know, you have to, you know, on that, but you know, most private equity is a five to seven year and then to the next and, you know, uh, moving on. And then we'll look for a partner that will want to continue the growth, right. By putting in some more capital and support of that. And, uh, and, you know, and that's the thing, of course, moving to private equity is access to capital, right. Yeah access to capital that you did not have in any way prior to that, other than bank, we still have bank loans. I mean, we're, Wisfis is our bank. Yeah. Right? Were they, the, just out of curiosity, were they were the ones that gave you the first loan? No, not oh, at all. They were the, they're, they're our last ones, right? Oh. We went through a gambit of uh, local, uh, it was a bank called Sun. Okay. Right. It was a small, tiny regional bank here in the in the area. Right. Yeah. And, and our, the guy that gave it to us, eventually we met back up with he worked for Santander and brought us back in with Santander. But for a while we were the big ones. Right. Chase. Yeah. Um, and Citibank and Santander. Right. And yeah. we decided, you know, um, we were looking for a new loan partner and Wisfis approached us and Wisfis had grown significantly. Right. For sure. They bought Bryn Mawr Trust and all of that. And yeah. 
you're like, look, you guys are, we, we've been thinking about you since you were smaller and we just never have connected. We'd love to be, you know, we'd love to help you guys out. And it was great. It was a great return to our roots. That's great. I love it. You know, especially for a local company to use a local company. Sure. I that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So I know we're running out of time, so I'm going to go, we're going to go rapid fire. Okay. I got a couple rapid fire questions and then we'll talk a little bit about the beer at the end. So uh, here are my rapid fire questions. What is your personal favorite style of beer? <sighs> Porters and stouts now as I've gotten older. Okay. For sure. Yep. And especially barrel aged. Okay. Um, do you ever have the uh, Bourbon County? Uh, sure. But we uh, Bourbon County is old stuff. It is a lot better out there. We We make some great... Barrel aged beers. Good. Okay. Well, so what's your favorite beer that you ever brewed? My favorite beer that we that I ever brewed was we did a Belgian lambics. Okay. Traditional Belgian lambics way back in the day before anybody was doing them, and yeah, and we did them out of our media location. Uh, those were fantastic. We really worked hard to make those great beers, and they were. We've not brewed them in years, but I was very very proud of those. Sounds like maybe a comeback. We'll see. Okay. Um, you guys were a little bit early to the craft beer explosion. I, you know, I we were actually um, the second wave, right, as they call it. The first wave was the very early people, right, which was the mid-'80s. So the yeah. Sierra Nevada, yeah. right, and, uh, and so many of the breweries that um, really started the industry, um, Sam Adams and, and things like that. We were part of a set, what's the second wave, the mid nineties, right? Gotcha. Which was in this area was certainly dogfish. Yeah. It was us. It was yards brewing. Yeah. Um, New Belgium actually started around the same time. Trogues. Yep. Um, you know, all of these breweries in Philadelphia, you know, we actually all get together and kind of celebrate because we all have birthdays around the same time of that. Oh, that's that, awesome. Of that generation of brewing. Right. Yeah. And so, so we are old, but there is, there's one group of people that is older than us. That's so, I, I love that. That's super collegial. Um, yes, it absolutely is. So what's your least favorite beer that you ever brewed? So in the, in 1996, in our first, well, it, was it no it was 1997 so because we opened in uh we had opened in november of 96 so i don't yeah. even remember that holiday season but <laughs> in our first full holiday season i brewed a spiced ale wassail uh-huh it was terrible <laughs> <laughs> we just didn't know how to spice beers we just threw stuff in and yeah. i was like it was we couldn't give it away. Did right? it taste like it just, a candle? It went on forever, and it was just, uh, it was just and, and, and some of the original employees always let me, re never let me forget that one. I was like, oh, this is terrible. That's great. Uh, what is your favorite non-Iron Hill brewery? Do you have one? Russian River. Okay. Firestone Walker. I like that too, yeah. Boulevard in St. Louis. Okay. Tank 7. Uh, okay. And then here's my final question. Okay. Do you hate when guests come into your restaurant and say, give me the closest thing to Bud Light? Uh, no, not at all, because we make a light lot. We don't serve national brands. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, we don't serve, uh, other than other crafts for special events, we don't serve beer. Or we only serve our own beer, right? Yep. Half 
of the beer drinkers in America drink a low calorie product, right? Okay. That's interesting. I didn't so, realize. I guess so, that makes sense. Yeah. And so we're a restaurant. So people walking in, it's stupid to think that everybody wants our IPAs, right? Mm-hmm. And so we brew a light lager and have before we were 10 years old, but not long before that, we always did a light styled ale or something. We finally said, screw it. We're going to do a light lager. Yeah. So it's a big seller for us, right? It's good. It's good. It's not our biggest seller, which is always good, but it's a big seller for us. So people come in and say, do you have Bud Light? No, but we have our light lager. Why don't you do this? Well, that's good. That, That does make sense though. Well, good. So no, I don't hate that because they're, they're coming in with the beer drinker and then they're happy. And then, we keep that's a good on. point. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. That's a really good point. Well, this was great. So uh, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. So I'm definitely going to steal the entrepreneur succeed by pure force of will. I, I do like that. I think that's very true. Sure. Um, this beer, I really like. Um, again, it's you know you can definitely taste the pineapple in it, and it's not too too uh, strong. So I think it's a pretty. I think it's pretty good. So sure. I would no, it's it. great. Great fruit flavor to it. Yeah. I have one other. So here's my oh, yeah. other nugget for entrepreneur because yeah, I have please. written a couple down. And this is one that I always use, right? Make sure if you're to quit your day job and, and go and start a business, you absolutely have to make sure that your spouse, significant other is on board 100%. Very good right? point. Because, um, and and we were clear with our spouses about this and, and, and said it's going to be tough and there's going to be terrible times. Uh, we never predicted that one of the most terrible times was 24 years later, but you know, right. Yeah. But you know, you we were past it. it. Yeah, exactly. But because wh- where I really see businesses fail is failure of their marriage or, you know, what their relationships. And, and that is a greater stress on the business because you're not focused on the business. And so, sure. yeah, you know, you, your significant other has to understand how hard it is and how hard the road is. And and they have to be committed to it too, right? Yeah. Because you're never home or, you know, you're trying to raise kids and you have to go do this and do all, all these other things that are related to business. I brought our, my son, who's the youngest, who is now 26, uh, I brought to beer training in Newark in the in the little cradle, right? Yeah. In the car seat. And he's sleeping while I'm on a Saturday morning teaching beer class to to the servers, right? And that's yeah. the that's, that's the stuff. That, that is a really do. good point because you know, the the emotions of running a business are volatile. You know, I always say to my wife, the highs are high and the lows are low. And, you know, to have to have a support system at your house that can kind of handle that and understand yeah, that, you know, you're you're dealing with that is is huge. But the support and that it's not a drag. Right. right. It just doesn't that, it, it, you know, it, even if it's even keel. Right. It's just if it goes down, then you, you, you've you got this, you know, it, it, it's marriage is hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And raising kids are hard, right? Yes. There's, there's, not, there's not a book that tells you how to do it, right? So you have that in addition to trying to figure out this thing called small business, right? Yeah, it's a great point. So there's a lot of plates spinning, right? Yeah. We're always spinning plates. For sure. Open that wall. No, that that's great advice. Do you have any other advice? Or you said you had a couple things down there. Did, did we get them? No, all? I think that I think we're. Kind of, I think I hit the one to double your business, right? That's yeah. That's always a. 
And, and that is always one that is really out there. But and and that you know, it's I, I said the other thing, which was, you know, all your employees can go get other jobs. You can't, right? And you just have to remember that, and and that keeps you right. You just you're there. You're yeah. the last one standing. Yep. Right? Actually, you know, I'm going to ask you one final question. I, I, I lied when I said it was the last question. I, I found through, you know, interviewing a bunch of entrepreneurs that the one thing that they, at some point, they have this flip where it's like, okay, this is no longer about making money. This is more about I'm enjoying the process of the build of an entity or a structure. I, you, you know, people ask that in the context of do you miss brewing beer, right? Yeah. And I haven't beer in a long time right sure. and I'm, so i'm not it started the business is rolling up the sleeves and making great product it was right. awarded with the product right but what you get to because I, I i run into this with as people gain success within our company and aren't doing the things they used to which they really loved yeah is i get so much more joy out of creating the organization yeah right? And that's where that's where entrepreneurs thrive is they get past the the early parts of it and then they really get juiced by um, by building the business right by having sixteen hundred employees by thinking yeah. about all the careers that you start right that's that's the true sign that you've evolved yes right within your business life if you keep if you're sitting there going ah oh, wish I was behind the line cooking or in the brewery I. Look, I do that from time to time, but when I do that now, I feel like, oh my God, I my time is better spent right. doing these other things. Yeah. I have people here that are very competent to do this. I don't need to do it. I do it for the cameras and for promotions that we do. And you know, sure. the way I kind of phrase that is, you know, you are a beer guy that owned a restaurant, right? Now you're an sure. entrepreneur that happens to own. A bunch of restaurants, right? Yeah, that mental Absolutely. that mental flip, and I think that's a huge mental flip for a lot of, you know, you kind of have that aha, aha moment where you go, oh, I'm actually building this thing now. I'm not just brewing beer or you know meeting with clients Perfect. or whatever it is, and then you have that full shift, which I think is an amazing thing to have happen, and that's part of of, of that business cycle of growing up. Absolutely, yeah. Mark, this was awesome. I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to, uh, Ryan, no, we're, if, if we want to learn more about you and Iron Hill, where do we go? Right to our website, right? www.ironhillbrewery.com. That's awesome. Um, if you want to learn more about how my firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. All right. So final, uh, incredible juicy IPA. I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five. Excellent. Enjoyed it. I'll definitely going on tapped, going on tapped and rated. Oh yeah. If you want to connect me on untapped, my username is brcarney7. Mark, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Ryan, thanks. Thank you for listening to Happy Hip Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by River's Edge Advisors. For more information on how River's Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.